Dr. Harmon, let's begin talking about the problem men face with the prostate. Non-cancerous enlargement of the prostate is something that affects men as they age. All prostates grow. The rate at which they grow is very patient-specific, sometimes reliant on genetics, um, but it causes urinary problems such that they have struggles with urination. Slower urinary stream, increasing frequency of urination, urgency of urination, waking up at night to urinate, um, developing urinary tract infections, so it can significantly impact their quality of life. We've probably all heard the word prostate at one time or another, but what does it actually do? So the prostate's role is to provide fluid and nutrients for sperm. Okay, so after you're finished having children, it it honestly causes a lot of problems. (laughs) So this is typical and most men experience it. What age and what percentage of men do we know? It can start as early as in the 40s. Okay, Um, but by the time a man reaches his mid to late 50s, a good majority of men will have some element of symptom of of enlargement. Now, we're very good at sort of adjusting to those symptoms. Um, They occur very slowly over time, so we adjust to what is the new normal. If we would flash, you know, the symptoms back 10 years, patients would say, well, this is a significant change. So it's really based on quality of life impact when we decide to do something. And that's when patients usually come knocking on our door. How would you treat this? The first line of treatment is medical therapy. And there are two classes of medicines that are used to treat the prostate, working on the two different cell types within the prostate. One is a works on the muscle component. It's a smooth muscle relaxer focused to the prostate called uh, an alpha blocker or selective alpha blocker. The second is a 5-alpha reductase medicine that can physically shrink the prostate. And sometimes they're used independently. Sometimes they're used in combination with each other. And there have been several studies to show that they can avoid men from needing surgery. We know it's not fun taking medications. So what are the downsides of taking the ones for prostate problems? Downside are side effects. Um, So the medicine that shrinks the prostate can have some sexual side effects. About a quarter of men will develop libido or sex drive issues or erection issues that can often be difficult to reverse. A side effect of the muscle-relaxing medicine can be dizziness, okay? And as men get older, that's one of the last things you want is is dizziness. If the medications don't work, what's next? The next step is, well, obviously, there'll be an examination done and general screening for prostate cancer is part of this conversation as well because the two roads will be differently traveled if you, of course, have prostate cancer. But the two problems can exist together. That's a different conversation. Um, If you're on medical therapy, uh, or some patients, quite honestly, can't tolerate medical therapy, then we move on to additional testing to see if you're a candidate for surgery. And a lot of this is driven by quality of life, as I mentioned. Sometimes there are absolute reasons we have to do something. For example, if you cannot urinate and something shuts off, or if you um, develop recurrent infections as a male, you know, the underlying problem is often the prostate. So We do testing such as looking into the bladder with something called cystoscopy. We can do a bladder pressure test called urodynamics, and sometimes we do an ultrasound of the prostate to look at the size of the prostate and determine, and what these tests will determine is what treatment is the best option for you. And sometimes there are a series of treatments that can be a good option. For cancer, we remove the whole prostate. For non-cancerous BPH, as we're discussing, we typically will sort of shell out the core of the prostate. 
okay, and open up the channel through which the urine can flow better. Now let's talk about the downsides of surgery. Well, nowadays most are done through little telescopes, okay, so they're very well tolerated. The standard side effects of infection or bleeding are standard with really any surgery, uh, but we take you know precautions for that. Um, the one side effect that occurs after most surgeries uh, is the man's loss of ejaculation. So they'll still sense the orgasm, but the fluid won't expulse. But now we have another choice, resume. What's that? Resume is, is typically, and everyone has their own model of practice, but in, in my practice, resume is for the guys who either can't tolerate medications and are not looking for a more invasive surgery like a laser surgery. Resume also has a limitation of prostate size, so some of the studies we do to determine who is an inappropriate candidate will you know, rule out or rule in a patient based on his prostate size. And there's some anatomic, more architectural features of a prostate that can make a patient a good candidate or a bad candidate. Some patients prefer not to have anesthesia. One of the benefits of Resume is that it's done in the office, and it only takes about 10 to 15 minutes to do. It's a very short procedure. And it's very well tolerated. After we numb the prostate, patients generally just describe it as a discomfort. So during the procedure, uh, the first step is to numb the prostate. And we do that in two means. We By two means, we put a gel in the urethra, a numbing jelly, lidocaine jelly. And then we numb the prostate with a transrectal ultrasound. So it's a small ultrasound probe that goes into the rectum. And it allows us to inject a numbing medicine around the prostate and within the areas of the prostate to numb it. So there are two means to do that. And then a small scope, which is the resume delivery system, looks into the bladder and just into the prostate area, sorry, into the urethra and into the prostate. Then we measure the prostate, which takes maybe 15 seconds, and then we determine how many treatments that we'll need. Each treatment is nine seconds. So typically patients may need anywhere from two to five treatments on average. Afterwards, a catheter is placed and that catheter can stay in anywhere from three to seven days, depending on the patient's you know, prostate features. How does that work? So a small needle comes out of the, of the scope and is directed into the prostate tissue. The needle is just under a centimeter, and the patients don't usually feel that. A water vapor is expulsed from the needle, and that's the actual treatment, because the water vapor... It affects the cells by causing them to basically lice and die. So over a course of a six- to eight-week period, they'll involute or, or die and waste away, thus opening the channel uh, through which the urine can pass. What happens when they die? Do they shrink? Are they eliminated? Yeah. No, they basically shrink. That's a great question because some therapies do cause the patient to eliminate them and void them out. But this basically just, as an involution, the cells die, the tissue shrinks away, and that's essentially the mechanism. How long does it take for the cells to shrink and for the guy to start seeing a change? That process occurs over a six- to eight-week period in general. Okay, um, During the recovery phase, you know, we use things like ibuprofen or anti-inflammatories to calm down on the inflammatory phase of the, of the procedure because we are traumatizing the prostate. So there is a recovery phase, of, but usually the catheter will be in, the place, it will be in place during that recovery phase so men won't struggle too much with their day-to-day -day urination because they'll have an indwelling tube um, allowing the urine to drain from their bladder. They have a catheter for three to seven days. The inflammatory phase only lasts about a week or two. Who's a good candidate? The ideal patient would be those that are not happy on their medications, 
having side effects from their medications and are really having an impact to their quality of life. Not sleeping well through the night because they're waking up too much or always need to know where the restrooms are. Um, or those that are, aren't looking for um, a bigger procedure with anesthesia. With any procedure, there are, are certainly risks. And we talked about bleeding and infection, although we take special precautions for that. One of the risks uh, is failure of the procedure. Um, and I always counsel patients that by failing, that just means we, we don't get any, we typically don't get any worse. Uh, we just don't get any better. And it, by doing this procedure, it doesn't take away your ability or your opportunity to do the other procedures. But most men will see this as a very simple procedure that can be done in the office. And if, look, if I can avoid a bigger operation or procedure with anesthesia, I'd rather go the, the short route in the event that it works, then, then I'm fine. That's usually the way people see it. It's very well tolerated. And finally, what do you like best about this procedure? I like the fact that a lot of men are not ready for the more invasive laser procedures. And this kind of gives them a, something to bridge the gap between just medicines and a more invasive procedure. And is it permanent or might it have to be done again? It can be repeated. Um, oftentimes, if, if men are not happy, they, they may elect to move forward with a laser procedure uh, or something more invasive, but it can be repeated. It's very rare to need to do that because they either are successful or they decide to do something more invasive. Dr. Harmon, thank you. This gives men a great option that could really help a lot of them get off meds and avoid surgery.